Welcome and thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I'm Marvin Telemontis, the pastor of River Rock Fellowship. Hope this inspires you and builds up your faith and helps you to see that God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. Let me begin by wanting to ask you guys this question. What do you know about solitary confinement? Okay, that's a strange question, Pastor. Way to start a sermon off. But I'm serious. What do you know about solitary confinement and the effects of solitary confinement? Or as some places would like to call it, administrative segregation. So I looked up, and if you, if you look up solitary confinement, you get a slew of goodies there as you, uh, as you Google it. But one of them is uh, from a place called medicalnewstoday.com. And this article was written by James Leonard, Dr. Jane Leonard, and it was reviewed by another doctor, Marnay A. White. And it goes on, part of the, the article says, humans require social contacts. Contact. Over time, the stress of being isolated can cause a range of mental health problems. According to Dr. Sharon Shalev, who authored a book called A Source Book of Solitary Confinement in 2008, these problems may include, and here's the list, ready? Anxiety and stress. This is all from solitary confinement. Depression and hopelessness, anger, irritability, and hostility, panic attacks, worsen pre-existing mental health issues, hypersensitivity to sounds and smells, problems with attention, concentration, and memory, hallucinations that affect all of the senses, paranoia, poor impulse control, social withdrawal, outbursts of violence, psychosis, fear of death, and self-harm or suicide. It goes on in last couple sentences. Research indicates that both living alone and feelings of loneliness are strongly associated with suicide attempts, suicidal um, tendencies. Additionally, many individuals who experience confinement become incapable of living around other people people so much of what we do and what we are is rooted in a social context in social settings in a social framework you don't need an empirical research and study to understand the adverse effects of being alone and that they're so severe that we impose them on criminals Think about this for a moment. We use solitary confinement to discipline, to punish, and control the worst of the worst criminals in our society. Now with that in mind, why have so many of us willingly have chosen to live our lives in isolation? Don't get me wrong. We have faced one of the worst times in our lifetime. Many of us have no idea what it would have been like to have been around during the Spanish flu, 1918, 1920. But we were forced to do shelter at home. 
We were forced by the medical, by the government. And all of a sudden, we were forced to be away from one another. I don't care if you're young. I don't care if you're old. That has had an adverse effect on us as people who were never designed to be away from people. And yet, so many folks continue to make decisions to keep themselves isolated from others. I agree, amen. And yet, so many are continuing to volunteer themselves to be away from the family, away from the friends, and away from community. And yet, we just read a whole list of all the things that can come from being isolated. I want you to catch this. So much of what we do and what we are rooted in is rooted in in, in a social context, in a social framework, in the idea of fellowship. And when we don't get to do that, I think it brings sickness to our soul. What critical... What necessary mental, physical, emotional, and spiritual needs and benefits are we missing out on when we, whether forced or not, are isolated? So over the next four weeks, I want and I hope to address some of these questions. I believe that gathering together is incredibly powerful. And even more importantly, that it's biblical. I believe that one of the most important reasons we gather together is to encourage one another. Encouragement is one of, the mo- one of those things that we all need from time to time. Unless you're somebody like me, I want it all the time. How about you? I love encouragement. As a matter of fact, the writer of Hebrews spoke about how desperate it is. And he said this to us, how important it is. Now, we don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews. We speculate, a lot of scholars, that it was written by a female because at that time, in that day and age in history, women were allowed to write books and do these things. Not so cool. So that could be possibly why it was uh, unknown by the, the name of the author. But let's read out of Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and verse 25. And it says this, let us think of ways to motivate. That means to spur on, to stir one another to acts of love and good works. Verse 25, and let us not neglect our meeting together. Did you catch that? You want to know what that means? I remember back in the 70s, I was a young kid and all these, I could always hear the pastor saying, you have to go to church. And he would say this verse, you know, and and just condemn us all. And we're like, but we're in church. That's not what this message is about. This message is about the idea of, are you in regular fellowship? Not just on Sundays, but how about during the week? Catch me? So he says, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Now, you might have noticed from the passage that the way we encourage one another and the way we spur, the way we stir one another on towards love and good deeds is by gathering together. 
Have you ever tried to encourage yourself when you're all alone? Don't get me wrong, there's a place for that. Because there are times when you are all alone. David was all alone. And he found a way, yet he said, by my hand, God will break through all my enemies. He found a way to encourage himself when he was in those caves all by himself. I mean, he went literally from the palace to the caves. On run from the king who he killed the dying. Four. Can you imagine the struggles he must have faced. And yet he's encouraging. There he is. He's in Ziglag, and everybody's gone. They've been kidnapped. All their stuff is gone. They just got done fighting war. They show up, and nobody's at the village. And everybody who fought with him now want to kill David. And he says no. He found a way to encourage himself. So there's a place. Some people want to call it positive thinking. Some people want to call it self-talk. But there is something deeply transformative, something so powerful about being a part of a group that's committed and encouraging one another towards a common goal. Think about it. Maybe it's your favorite sport team, unless it's the Raiders. God bless you, Davey. (laughs) Or like a recovery group, a support group. Or think about the disciples, for the cause of Christ, for the gospel they went, and literally brought us the gospel that we celebrate today. Or think about our church family. See, last week we had Life Journal Sunday, where we taught everybody how to use these life journals, how you can read the Bible throughout the year, and then how you can use the acrostic soap, S-O-A-P, right? Scripture, observation, application, prayer. And how you could literally, because here's the wonderful thing about, about the pen. It makes the heart precise. Isn't that true? So when you read the Word of God, and then all of a sudden, you take a Scripture, and then you turn around and you say, God, what are you trying to tell me? So I'm going to write down that scripture. I'm going to write down an observation. I'm going to write down a personal application. And here's my prayer. So that's incredible. And you can encourage yourself in the Lord alone. But I'm telling you, David got more encouragement when he had a team of guys around him. And so will you. So is there, I don't know, a spouse? Is there a friend? Is there a relative? Is there a mother, daughter, mother, son, a father, daughter, father, son? Is there a cousin? Is there a friend? Is there a coworker where you guys could go once a month, once a week, whatever works for you, and just say, hey, man, what God, what's God showing you? Read, read something to me that you wrote. And then they read it back at you. And you're like, get a cup of coffee at, you know, saying Starbucks, I mean, Starbucks. And you just make something happen in your life and in their life you're investing in them and they're investing with you why because we were designed to gather together make that happen or you come to saturday or monday nights with us guys or the ladies on tuesdays find a way to gather together folks we also need to Help other people avoid being stagnant 
in life and being stagnant in their faith. Sometimes somebody just needs an girl, an attaboy, somebody to encourage them to say, come on, let's go. Let's go get a bite to eat. Come on, let's go get some coffee. I'll drive. We're doing this together. Let's get you out of the house. Let's go do something. Folks, in the day and age that we live, it is too easy to get discouraged. And it's too dangerous to do life alone and to be isolated. I'm telling you, it's more of a curse to be isolated and shut in all the time. It's destroying the soul. Find a way to reach out beyond. And I'm telling you, there are studies they tell us that, that they're just not as available as all the other ones. They kind of hide these ones. But they go around and they tell us the power of just touch. The power of just being together like you guys are doing right now. This is not the same as watching a device, looking at our palms all day. There's something about seeing somebody in the eye. Hearing the voice and the facial. That's why the masks are such a problem at times. Because our poor kids aren't being able to associate facial expressions with what they're hearing. And, and I'm not here dividing and, and saying, hey, wear them or don't. No, no, that, those are decisions in our freedom that we get to make. Amen. So maybe you feel like you're in a pit. Maybe you do feel all alone, even in a house full of people. Don't give up. Life is a marathon. It's, it's not a 100-meter sprint. There will be stretches of life where it will be relatively ease. There will be enjoyment. But it will also be followed up by adversity and struggle and despair. Moments where you'll feel like you just want to quit. Don't give up. Good times are coming yet. He said he'll never leave you or forsake you. He said the waters won't overtake you. That you'll go into the fire and you won't even smell like smoke. Don't give up. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in this world. No weapons formed against you shall prosper. And his name is a strong tower. The righteous go in and find refuge. Don't give up. You got this. You know, just because a person is a Christ follower doesn't mean that they're immune from those struggles and those pitfalls. And if you find yourself in a pit, in a time of struggle, I would say don't give up and please don't do life alone. Praise God you came today. God will never leave you. That's not a curse, that's a promise. And may the Lord be the lifter of your head. So King David, he knew a thing about being in adversity. And this is what he said in Psalms chapter 30, verse 5. And it reads, will you read it out loud with me? Ready, begin. 
Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. I don't know about you, but when you go through a hard time, man, you want to cry. I'm the one who did. It's hard sometimes in life. And it hurts. And you can't reconcile. Why did they say? Why did they do? Or why did I say? And why did I do? And you're like, ah. And you grieve and you mourn and you weep. But joy is coming in the morning. What's it trying to say? There's a season for this, but there's also a season for that. Don't give up. Gather together. Don't do it alone. Why? It's too big for us to do things alone. One of the reasons why the body of Christ, the church gathers, is to encourage those who are hurting. To encourage you, you to encourage others. And to keep pressing on. Together, we remember that there's a light at the end of all tongues. Our passage in Hebrews chapter 10, right? In a different version, it talks about that there are some who have made it a habit to not meet together. I know that many of you understand the idea of a habit. I don't have to explain that to you. You also understand that it takes like what they say, 21 times to break a habit. And for some of us, 51 times to break a habit. And for the rest of us, 1,001 times to break a habit. How many know that the longer the habit, the longer, more days you need to break a habit? But let's look at that word habit. And when, when it's translated from its original language, written in the Greek, means, it means a custom, it means a practice, it means a routine. So this passage in Hebrews is saying that some have made it their custom. Some have made it their practice in life. Some have made it their culture to not go and gather, to not go to church. And this habit has become really a descriptor of who those people are. They are those who neglect and forsake gathering. To worship and celebrate the King. And as believers, one of the defining characteristics of us is that we are to regularly meet together. It's who we are. I mean, you know they're the San Francisco 49ers because they're wearing red and gold. You know they're the Raiders, black and gray. You know, because those are descriptors of their uniform. It's a descriptor of who they are. And we go to church, and we read the Bible, and we pray. These are descriptors of who we are. It's our uniform. It's what we are. It's what we do. That's why the enemy of our soul wants to get us to stop doing those things. You ever notice that you don't have to do anything to get weeds in your yard? I hate that. You got to work at not having weeds. It's the same thing. You got to work at Christianity. 
Before you know it, all those things that you don't want in your life, you're like, what is, what's this weed in my life? Wow. There's many reasons why we come together, and we'll explore several of them over these next few weeks. But I want, I want to be clear about something here. For all the benefits that we receive from fellowship, from gathering together, it, it still goes much beyond, much farther of how deep and meaningful and critically important it is to me. It's really about your soul. It's really about fulfilling the great commission and the great commandment. As believers, we gather together because it is our custom. It is our practice. It is our culture. It is who we are as Christians. So we gather. And when adversity comes, and it knocks on our doorstep, or on a brother and a sister in the Lord, we are there to help them, to gather with them. I remember one time, it was in Iowa, and I remember another time here. Man, the enemy just hit real hard. Before I knew it, there were all these people flooding into my house, flooding into my yard. Why? Because they were gathering together to show we care and we love, we support. That's what family does. That's what church is about. So when it's your need, when it's your time, we show up. It needs to be in our DNA. So let me ask you something, and, and I want you to just, is it okay to be imaginative here just for a moment and, and just allow me for a second if you spent your whole life thinking that you were a gazelle, and then one day you learned that you actually were a lion, wouldn't you want to start doing things like a lion? Wouldn't you want to start roaming around and try to see how you could roar? I mean, I mean, you're the king of the jungle. It would be an incredible thing to go, wow, talk about an identity crisis. I went from being that which was being eaten to that which now I get to eat them. I'm, I'm no longer a vegan. I'm not a vegetarian. Wow. And then all of a sudden, wouldn't it be weird for that thing that's been walking around with his chest up, his big old man, all of a sudden behaves like he's a little gazelle, always looking to see where the bad guy is to eat him. We would go, what are you doing? And it was bad enough that you didn't know you were a lion, but now you found out you are a lion, and now you're going back to acting like food? What's wrong? I mean, it's bad enough that you didn't know that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, that you could be a Christian, but now you do. And now you're a part of the lion of the tribe of Judah. You're a person of of faith, you're, you're, you're one of the king's kids. Why are we going back and trying to live life isolated, away from the family of God? Why are we becoming food for the enemy of our soul? 
got to be careful. We don't even catch it. But that's what we're actually doing. Compromise. It can mess up with your perspective of what you actually see. And especially what you see about yourself. Isn't it reasonable to think that as a person grows deeper in faith, deeper in their understanding of Jesus, that they would want to spend more time with others, other people who are Christians and other people who don't know Christ, just so they could share the good news. And if it's part of our nature, if it's part of our culture to gather, to gather here, then it makes sense why this passage in Hebrews says that we should gather. Remember in verse 25, as we just read, let's look at it again. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is coming. He's talking about the end times. I think most of us would agree we all need encouragement, maybe even more encouragement, not less. Now, fake encouragement is worse than nothing. Don't patronize me. Don't patronize your friend. Don't patronize a relative. Don't fake it. Why? It's worse. You're going to make vain imaginations start ringing around on that person. Why are you saying that? Why are you doing that? Don't fake it. Be real. Be authentic. As we wrap up today's message, I want to share from Matthew 24, these three verses. And, and this is talking about the end times, right? Matthew 24, end times. But, but I, want, I want you to catch what Jesus says here about the end times. Starting at verse 10. And many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. When? In the end times. So in the end times, many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. Anybody ever see that? Right? Let's cause fires, let's destroy, riot, and let's do all sorts of bad stuff. And, you know, you're not in my group, so I hate you. Well, you're not in my group, so I hate you. And, and wow, Jesus said that thousands of years ago. And many false prophets will appear and will deceive many people. Yeah. Sin will be rampant everywhere. And the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures. What does that mean? But the one who loves. Hot. The one who cares. The one who's kind. The one who's... What? Great commission, great commandment. What's the great commission? Go into all the world and share the good news. Right? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, all to the ends of the earth. What's a great commandment? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul. Right? What's the second one? Love others. 
So every day, every day that passes by, we're a day closer to the return of Jesus for his church. And as Jesus warned with, that there would be an increase of wickedness, and with that wickedness comes a decrease in love for one another. It feels like that's what we're facing now, guys. It's so critically important to commit to gathering together, to fellowshipping with one another. We simply are not designed to live out our faith and our lives all alone. We need encouragement. We need to be spurred on to love and to do good deeds, to be kind. We will not survive being isolated. We need each other. So I encourage you. I challenge you to commit to fellowship, to commit to coming to church, to commit to be gathering with one another. Folks, if you're missing more church than you are going to church, then you're isolating yourself from your church family. And I would encourage you, fix it. Fix it. Why? Your soul needs it. And all those who love you, they need it. How many know when you're putting God first, you're a different person? And all everybody around you knows you're a different person. So I encourage you on that. I encourage you to connect. Create a life journal group, even if it's just you and one other person. Even if it's just you and the spouse or you and one of the kids. See what happens. Show up to men's prayer. Show up to men's life journal. Show up to the women's Bible study to prayer. Hear what it says in Philemon 1.7. It says, your love has given me much joy and comfort, my brother. You catch that? This is what is said when you gather together, when you're loving other people. This is what it said. It says, your love has given me much joy and comfort, my brother, your for your kindness has often refreshed the hearts of God's people. That is what people say when they gather together. I believe that one of the most important reasons we gather together is to encourage one another. To lift them up. And to say, when I tell you, I'm going to pray for you. Then you pray. Don't tell somebody you're going to pray for them and don't do it. That's not what this church is about. You say, I'm going to pray for somebody, pray for them. Fervently. Why? Because someday you're going to need prayer. And you want all those same people to pray for you. Fervently. I also encourage you to reach out to somebody today in church and invite them to break bread. Go eat a meal together. Set up a time and go get coffee. Pray for each other. Pray with each other. Share the word. Share a life journal entry together. So I close with these two questions, guys. So listen up. Here's the question. How will you be different today because of what you just heard? How will you be different today because of what you just heard? Here's the next question. What has God shown you to do about it? 
What is God showing you to do about it? Hey, did you notice pastor's not involved? This is between you and Jesus. How will you be different because of what God is speaking, what the Holy Spirit is speaking to you about today? And then, what's God showing you to do about it? Well, Father, we thank you for your goodness and your grace. Lord, what a challenge to take another step closer to you and to the body of Christ. Oh, God. Let us not be deceived by the father of lies, saying we got this, we can do this by ourselves. To sound like a little preschooler that says, I do it myself. Oh, Lord, the stubbornness of a preschooler. Well, God, help us to mature and to be wise enough to know I cannot do this in loneliness. I can't do this alone. I can't do this in isolation. I need the body of Christ. I need the Holy Spirit. I need Jesus. I need the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, the Son of God, my best friend. I need you and your people, and they need me. Oh, God, help me to engage in the family of God. Oh, Father, I pray, bless your people. Encourage them, speak to them, show them how they can gather together and watch their life become a testimony for Jesus and his kingdom. We ask this in your holy name the name of Jesus. And we all say, Amen. Amen. Well, we hope this message helps you to take your next step closer to Jesus. Here's a great question to ask yourself right now. How will I be different because of what I just heard today? Well, for more info about us, go to rrf.church or find us on Facebook. I'm Pastor Marvin thanking you for taking the time to join us.